Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. And three CR always acknowledges that we broadcast from the lands of the original inhabitants and pay respects to elders past and present, including our LGBTIQ plus Indigenous elders, who in turn include sister girls and brother boys, and we acknowledge their unique contributions to diversity on and around the land. And, well, watch your step. Well, for this show and a second part in, a, in at this time, a coming week, uh, it's a bit of a special because you're going to watch your step with four fabulous trans and gender diverse people and a fab cis ally. Um, back in January 2016, um, the fabulous Clementine Ford um, organised a pub talk involving four trans and gender diverse people. Yours truly, the fabulous Kai Clancy, um, brother boy, Margot Fink, a nice Jewish girl, and Fury, fabulous non-binary poet and author. And so I've got that panel for you to be broadcast um, on this show and the next edition. So sit back, enjoy. Um, Clem has done Welcome to Country and um, also um, introduced me. I'm just going to dive in and we're going to tell our stories first because we can't get enough of them. You may have heard bits of mine before, but let's just set the scene and give the whole show. And let's dive in at the Retreat Hotel, and thanks to them for organising it as well. And let's have a listen to a pub talk on trans and gender diverse. Thanks, Claire, and thanks, everyone. And I've got to say, it's like I felt like I was sort of walking out the, thrown from behind the curtain onto WrestleMania stage. You're, you're, <laughs> you're the Retreat Universe. I've just got to say, the sellout crowd, I'm just blown away. Thank you so much, everyone. You're just... You're, this is awesome. Anyway, <laughs> um, God, five to seven minutes. Okay, we'll give it a shot. But uh, yeah, look, I, it's always seems strange to start a story in the middle. But really, in a way, the good the good parts of my story don't start until age twenty nine. I've just gone fifty now, and the reason was because I got like, basic accounting training that makes one date retentive. I still remember twenty seven April nineteen ninety five. <laughs> which was when I finally tracked down a psychologist who um, you know, explained what trans, as it was, that was then, more used transgender meant. And her definition for me was, well, there are some males who are more feminine than masculine, some who are more, who need to be female, and that's transgender. And we'd expand it more today to, um, you know, of course include um, people who identify as other than male or female, which um, we're definitely going to talk about. But the thing was, I'd lived 29 years with this huge question mark or a missing piece of jigsaw puzzle. So that's when I suppose we go back to 16 October 1965, physical birthday. Um, I emerge, people see what they reasonably believe is a male body and because society assumes if you've got a male body, 
that you identify as male and you'll be more masculine in however, well, for right or for wrong, we'll talk about that, I think, a bit too, that um, I was living in ways that weren't the best for me. And I suppose the first four years were okay, but I still remember my first day at school. Um, and I went, I spent all 13 years of schooling at an all boys school, which um, was a very isolating experience. Um, if you're someone who's feeling more feminine than masculine, not a good place. And I'm open about where it was. It was, as the locals call it, Brighton grammar. Brighton. Um, <laughs> Brighton, yes. <laughs> How do you, how do you, tell, how do you spot the widow in Brighton? She's the one wearing the black tennis dress. It's, uh, <laughs> but seriously, it wasn't a, a good place for a trans person. But I did hear from someone who's, um, just to put a happy ending on that part of it, that someone whose um, kid came out as gay um, came out and had, um, was, had a lot of positive support a few years ago. So at least things have shifted, which I think is relevant. So yeah, I went to Brighton Grammar, I um, then went and did um, commerce at university, majoring in accounting, but it wasn't really, um, let's say, you know, people say, what if your life's calling? I don't think I really had a life's calling to be an accountant, but I did it, worked at it, but by the time I got to 29, realised I, um, well, I didn't realise anything, I was working in a difficult job with a difficult boss and needed to have a break. And I think that's when the truth began to surface without all the day-to-day -day pressures and then got to that point where I did track down a knowledgeable professional of which there are still too few. And so for two and a half years after that, I lived occasionally presenting as female, jar jargon term cross-dresser if you like. And that was a good phase to, to go through. Um, you know, it is, I think, an adjustment, even though it's the right thing for trans and gender diverse people to find their true gender identity and expression, I needed to take it at a slow pace, so I think if I'd have tried to rush in and live full-time as female, I think that would have been really a difficult thing to do. But by the start of 1998, I realised I needed to live full-time as female, otherwise I'd end up in a bad way, and I did. And I want to mention something else that sometimes people don't talk about, but I'm comfortable enough to talk about in a safe space. I did have taken hormones since then, and that's been important to get the body that I truly feel it matches the soul that I need. But I haven't had surgery. Now, a lot of trans people don't want to talk about it. In most spaces and in most occasions, it's not relevant. But I think it's important to realise that we've got what I call a kaleidoscope of possibilities for trans and gender diverse people, that each person's body, identity, expression is what they need to be. So I think. It is something that's worth talking about. Some trans people have surgeries, some don't. But for what it's worth, the stats on trans women, it's about 30% of those who live full-time as female have surgery. And there's a whole heap of reasons why you don't. Some people just don't want it, some can't afford it. The other thing that was critical by sexual orientation is I started out only knowing the term bisexual. And then I heard the term pansexual later on. I'm really attracted to people. Gender's not the primary concern for me. It's about the soul. And I sort of worked that out before transitioning. And um, I sort of, so once I realised I didn't need surgery, the gender part of it was settled. But I think the other thing is trans and gender diverse people are whole people. And I then had to still work through some of the stuff as a person that I hadn't worked through. And I did do some... You know, I've tried to do some personal development to, to work on that so I can feel more settled 
And I wanted to emphasise that because I think that whilst it's great that we see people begin to come out younger and younger and um, more people will talk about that, um, and, to, and we also see trans you know, young people and adolescents, I think we've got to be mindful of the generational differences. I still have what I call sort of psychological monsters pop their head up from the swamp of the first 29 and a half years. And I think we need to be mindful that it does take some work to get to a point where you can settle your, yourself with your past. And I think that that's something worth thinking about. Um, and of course, the other part, yes, I, um, I, only, I figured out why I had trouble with careers counsellors at school, that trans advocacy wasn't in the careers counselling guides. <laughs> but I love what I do now. And whether it's a, a conversation like this or a, a, more, a more, we'll say, structured training session, I walk out at the end of it and sort of go, yeah, so I have found a calling and feel really good. And as I say, I'm just wrapped about the turnout tonight that so many people are interested. So um, let's keep it rolling. Um, does anyone really have a calling to be an accountant? <laughs> Are there any accountants in the room? Some of my best friends are accountants. <laughs> um, also, I didn't mention this before, but we're very lucky to be joined tonight by two interpreters from Auslan Connections. So we have... There we go. Yours truly. I'm getting it underway. Um, but I um, wanted to put that in because um, all four speakers having such great perspectives on this occasion. It really was a great panel earlier in the year at the Retreat Hotel. Um, so um, we'll hear from Margot... Kai and Fury um, as the show goes on about their stories and how diverse we all are within the trans and gender diverse community. So as the dance continues, in the words of Paul Kelly and all well, the then coloured girls, later messengers um, from the gossip album in the mid 80s, let's go down to the ballroom. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, out of the pan with Sally. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. G'day, this is Ozzy Butler from Astronomy Class. You're tuned to 3CR on 8.55am or 3cr.org.au. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Keep community radio alive. Peace. Enjoy. 3CR, 855am, digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and a special presentation, part one of a panel held at the retreat as part of Clem Clementine, Ford's pub Clementine Ford's pub talks. And, well, um, there's always dancing at pubs, um, but Paul Kelly dance down at the ballroom from the fabulous gossip album that um well after the first um after the acoustic post album which had got him some notice probably really launched him on well you could pretty much say the rest is history as part of australia's great music scene along with shane howard whose voice we heard as well in the message well um yeah there's my story but there's so many diverse stories in our trans communities they're all equally important and coming up next is someone well, she's a monstrous girl and I admire her, but she's just such a wonderful person and giving her every warm wish. Let's hear now um, from Margot Fink 
on the um, Clementine Ford Pub Talk, Trans and Gender Diverse. My apologies. <laughs> um, next up we have Margot Fink. Part of the 4% of Australians who are transgender or gender diverse, I just learnt that lesson. Margot Fink has aimed to be a role model for young lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex people, otherwise known as LGBTI people. She is also a voice to advocate for their needs. Margot was nominated in 2015 as a Young Australian of the Year finalist for her work in advocacy. Growing up, Margot felt isolated and alone and has set about to ensure other young people don't have to feel the same way. Through her role at Minus 18, the National Organisation for LGBTI Youth, Margot has bravely shared her experiences. A driving force behind the Gender Is Not Uniform campaign, Margot en encouraged schools to create safer environment environments for gender diverse students. She was instrumental in developing All of Us, the first nationally approved teaching resource on LGBTI topics for Australian high schools, and has spearheaded the Australian International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia campaigns. Each year she helps to organise the same-sex, gender-diverse formal, bringing together hundreds of LGBTI young people from across Australia. A powerful force behind Minus 18, Margot is determined to reduce the discrimination and stigma faced by LGBTI Australians. Please welcome Margot Fink. I just wanted to make sure I didn't do the loud microphone thing. <laughs> um, just quickly, I, I guess I want to touch on that 4% there, um, because I, it's a piece of research conducted, I think, in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and while I think it's a fantastic thing to be able to have that number and be like, oh, in a school of 100 people, like four of them will be you know, gender diverse, like that's a big deal. To be able to tell that to people is a huge thing. But I still think that's an incredibly conservative estimate you know you're only accounting for people who are very willing to very publicly admit um, that they are feeling something other than the gender they were assigned at birth so you know I think there's a few more of us out there but four is a good starting point um, so a little bit about me but just one other thing I'm super nervous you can probably tell because normally when I do panelly things I'm very lucky to be able to talk to people but it's usually like doctors or like teachers or like people who have no idea and like looking around the room tonight I'm seeing a lot of faces I recognize a lot that I don't but like all really rad and I'm just like cool gotta bring my a-game <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um apologies in advance I'm a bit nervy um but yeah I'll start at the beginning um I was assigned male at birth because a doctor looked at my genitals and thought, okay, well, that's a boy. And that was a pretty big mistake, a pretty miserable one for me. Um, and as I grew up, I saw other people had been, you know, assigned a gender based on the genitals that they had. Um, and they were happy with that. They were content with that. They felt right with that. Um, you know, they were told, you're a boy, and, you know, went and did boy things, and you're a girl, you're girl things. For me, there was always, I didn't have the words, but there was a sense of difference. You know, the idea of, of transgender, of any of those words, was so far beyond where I was at when I first started feeling these things, because I think, really, for me, it's as, as long as I can remember, that, that doubt was there. I was probably about nine or ten when I discovered the word transgender, and it was this really amazing television program, you know, really informative, really well-rounded, uh, The Jerry Springer Show. <laughs> 
There's just something about watching people punching out their relatives that really <laughs> make... Um, so that wasn't a great start. <laughs> um, and jokes aside, in all honesty, that actually really made it hard. Um, it led to a lot of denial, a lot of shame, a lot of fear, because in my mind that taught me, okay, this is what trans is. And there was that brief fleeting moment of, okay, these people don't agree with the label they've been given, but then that came with, but their families hate them. But they are largely homeless, they are largely overrepresented in poor mental health and unemployment and all these horrible things. Um, so, as a 10-year-old, that wasn't great. Um, and I went through a few years of denial and then kind of just it boiling over and, and getting to a point where I'm like, I can't deny this anymore and trying to work up the courage, but I never quite got there until I met other trans young people. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to find Minus 18, um, it's probably heard a little bit about it already, but an LGBTI youth org that has really helped me, really changed my life. Um, and I met, you know, a young trans guy who'd like just come out um, to his family, to his school, to his, to his whole community, to his whole world. And it just blew my whole kind of understanding of the situation open because up till that point, I, I profoundly believed I couldn't have any of those things. It was a choice between living a miserable life of denial but being successful and having my family and being, you know, heteronormative and cisnormative and all of that yeah. stuff um, for the sake of success or living my truth but doing it in obscurity and losing everything and having to start over from the ground up. And obviously that hasn't been the case. I've been so fortunate and so lucky to find an amazing community and still maintain you know, everything that I had before, or a lot of it. Um, but to my young mind, that was an impossibility. And seeing another young person go through that journey and be embraced and be celebrated, not just accepted or tolerated, but in, like truly celebrated for it was a huge, huge thing. Um, so that was around 15, 16, um, and I kind of was like, okay, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do this, if they can do it, I can. Um, getting to like 17, 18, 19, I started talking to other people. Safe Schools Coalition, who do amazing work, came to my school and started kind of improving just the atmosphere. I went to a, a tiny little Jewish school in Armadale, and they were never overtly hostile. They are actually pretty good on the whole. They're a progressive school. But I didn't know, like, it's still a religious school, and the assumption going into it is, okay, this probably isn't gonna be great. Um, you know, what with all those verses about the stoning and the <laughs> sinning and the, my life is all sin these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, safe schools came in and put up posters, and it was suddenly this really overt, like, we will not tolerate discrimination, we stand with our LGBTI students, the principal was making an announcement at the assembly and like although that was a bit I guess you know very forward and very direct I needed that I needed my school taking the first step because I couldn't you know 16 year old me 17 year old me year 12 me none of there was no point where I felt ready to do that so my school taking the first step helps a lot um, but even so it wasn't until last year that I actually sorry like two years ago Oh, time flies when you're being trans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so National Coming Out Day, I I finally kind of got to that point. I 
you know, agonised over it. I wrote a letter. I rewrote a letter. I listened to really emo music and then rewrote a letter. Um, and just a bit of background, the reason I chose to write a letter was because when my parents went out, I was bi. It's because they walked in on me making out with my partner at the time, and that was not great. Um, so being able to, like, really get my thoughts out was a lot better. Um, and my dad, when he met my first trans friend, it was like, oh, you know, why should I use their pronouns? They've got to, you know, they refer to their genitals. I'm just like, dad, please, no. But he got worse. Um, <laughs> rest assured, and I love my dad. He's come a long way. But he's like, well, if I wanted to be a giraffe, <laughs> if I... Oh, they don't like that. Even the microphone doesn't oh, like that. Like, Dad knows I'm talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, I, if I wanted to be a giraffe, would you give me hay and put me in a cage? I'm like, yeah. if it made you happy? <laughs> um, Is it working? You know, and he's come from that kind of place, that headspace to... Sorry, like, um to the first thing that he said when I came out and gave him the letter, just hugged me, like, I love you no matter what. So, yeah, it has been a journey getting here, um, and I'm very grateful to be here. The last year has been incredible, and I'm so grateful for not just um, other you know, trans young people who are being amazing and, like, rocking it and giving people like me the courage to come out, and I'm trying to give that back to others, but to people like Sally, who've been, like, fighting the good fight for, like, ages. Yeah, and like, I we stand on the shoulders of people like that. So just a huge thank you to Sally for all that you've done and continue to do. Um. And I think you're underestimating as well. I mean, reading your bio, bio up before, I was like, oh my god, this woman is so accomplished. <laughs> I think you're underestimating exactly how much you've done for other people in the community. So another big round of applause. I'll go think. Um, he's done so much good work, but um, um, rumours going around she's been battling a bit lately, so please send your karma to Margot, um, an amazing person. Now, I hope we can have a little laugh, but Margot did laugh at seeing trans people on Jerry Springer, so I did dig out um, this one from Weird Al Yankovic, who you can probably never take really too seriously from the Running With Scissors album, his Weird Al's tribute to Jerry Springer. 3CR 855 AM digital 3cr.org.au and on demand Jerry Springer from the Weird Al Yankovic album Running With Scissors um, and which of course has so many great classics on it the Pretty Fly for a Rabbi which we could have tried to squeak in as well and the infamous truck driving song well um, Jerry Springer yes not an authority on trans as long long time as um, Margot said, so when um, she found some better ones in the end, as she said, minus 18. Well, everyone's story has some similarities and differences. Let's now hear from the fabulous Kai Clancy about his story and the similarities and differences as part of the Clementine Ford Pub Talks panel held back in January. <laughs> Moving on, Kai Clancy is a proud Maori man from the Waka Waka and Woolly Woolly Nations. Kai has tweeted for at IndigenousX on Twitter and appeared on an episode of SBS's Living Black. He is currently based in Melbourne and he loves to make other men realise that they ain't as inflated as they think they are. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you very much um, for that introduction. I need a lot of help with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge, you know, the elders in the room here. Um, Sally, thank you for your introduction and your hakasori. Um, and yeah, fellow the traditional owners, Lamaron. I come from a far away from here. Yeah, I come from North Queensland. Anyone from Townsville? Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm from Condon. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up Townsville way. I was born there. Um, I'm a North Queensland Marine. And yeah, my story of coming to Melbourne, I guess that's probably the, the best like, you know, starting point of how to introduce myself and my story. Um, I come to Melbourne for a film festival, a transgender film festival that we did. It was called Tilda, and a few people, familiar faces from Tilda here. And my film was in it and talked about being transgender brother boys. And I was meant to stay here for two weeks, you know, just visit Melbourne, blah, blah. Then I was meant to do a talk with Sally at the Wheeler Centre, and then someone asked me to apply for a job. Guess what? I stayed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I've been staying in Melbourne now for over a year. And I guess my transgender story, if we go way back now, starts from when I was really young. Um, you know, um, questioning my gender identity from a young age. I'm not sure if any of you seen that on that 60 Minutes back in the day that the Tony Briffer. Anyone heard of Tony Briffer? They were, that, yeah. they were the mayor of um, Hobson's Bay. And they're intersex, they're family intersex, and they're open about that. Um, really good advocate. And they were open with their story on 60 Minutes back in the year 2000, when I was four years old. And I was past my bedtime, staying up, being real naughty, rebellious back in that day. Yeah, drinking that milk. And I was watching this incredible story about Tony wanting to transition from their assigned gender after a surgical intervention and that was female. So after they had a surgical intervention, they were assigned female, but they wanted to transition from female to male. So I saw this person who was transitioning from female to male, and my mind was blown. I was like, mom, that's me, that's me. You've done, you know, you put me in hospital, you've done this to me. And that's really sad for, you know, a kid to be like, you know, unsure about themselves and wanting to be this person who, you know, has, also has their own unique story and I could identify with, you know, wanting to transition. And mum told me, because I'm not intersex, mum was like, no, that's not you because you aren't intersex. That's their medical condition. That's why that person can do that. So mum, like, totally dis discounted the idea of transitioning at that age because we didn't know many trans men back then. There wasn't much trans male or masculine visibility back in those days. Um, and the only trans people we knew were trans, trans feminine people which is great, you know? But we, we didn't answer anything for my mum. So I grew up being tomboy, and I guess I took that identity throughout my high school years until I was you know, pretty active on the internet, staying on the internet most of the time after school, like every other kid did, really. <laughs> I was playing all sorts of games and Tumblr. <laughs> and when I flicked through that Tumblr, someone came up on the um, Tumblr, and it was a trans guy. And I was like really infatuated, you know, I was really in awe of this person telling this story so openly, so carefully about, you know, feeling trapped in their body or feeling uncomfortable, feeling all this, you know, pain and discomfort um, and journaling all that, you know, their emotions, their feelings, what they're going through. 
I could re it really resonated with me the idea of that you know someone was so uncomfortable in their body they took measures to make themselves happy and I was like wow this explains so much for me I could you know really see myself as this person and this was at a time where I was like year 12 doing my like ATAR you know finishing that stuff up and um, really you know I was a school captain at school like I was going through a lot of stuff I couldn't you know bring this to my community I couldn't I felt it was like it was a burden, you know? Becoming this person that I wanted to be, I felt like it was a burden, so I hid it. I hid it deep down inside me. Um, I couldn't, you know, let that out with the world yet. It wasn't until I got to first year of uni that, you know, I was ready to come out. But I still ran away from that lifestyle of being first year of uni at this, like, you know, it's an elitist like, university that I had a full scholarship at, and I left it all behind. I ran away from that. Same, similar story with Margot, you know? I wanted to have this, you know, lifestyle where I could be, you know, cisgender, het, well, no, I wasn't het, but, like, a cisgender person that was successful, you know, and live my life maybe uncomfortably, but see if I can go there and succeed. But I had to leave it all behind because it was really taking a toll on my mental health. I needed to address these things that was going on in my side of my head, you know. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, I transitioned, my family supported me, and I've got a community that supports me, and I come to Melbourne where all the trans people are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. It's like, a, it's like a refuge here, you know. Like, so many trans people, and plus not even just the like not even to touch on but like the services they've got in Melbourne for trans people, for children at the children's hospital, they're phenomenal. Like Queensland's gender centre waiting list, it's a long waiting list. I had to go like save up all my pennies from Woolworths working on that checkout. So I could go to a private psychologist in the matter of like a month instead of waiting like a year, you know? That's a long time and that's a lot of hours at Woolworths. Um, I'm sure they're proud of me. But yeah, now, now I'm here, I work in Melbourne, and yeah, that's my story. That's what I went through to get here and yeah, be myself. that Kai and also one of the things I kept thinking while you were talking was oh my god you were born in 1996. Five, 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 20. <laughs> 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 um, please give another warm round of applause for Kai Clancy. Uh, our last panelist tonight is Fury Jongler and Fury is a poet. Fury started writing stilted, awkward, very sweet poetry at quite a young age. Struggling with their own earnestness and feelings of inadequacy, they put down their pen aged 16, only to pick it up again around five years ago. Since then, they have reached some critical success. They were published in Andrea Gibson's anthology, We Will Be Shelter, and toured nationally in 2014. In the past year, their work has broadened out into journalism, and they have written for a wide range of publications such as Vice, Pantograph, Punch, and Spook Magazine on topics that largely revolve around queerness and trans identity. Fury Jumbo. Um, I actually just go by Fury, but Facebook doesn't let you only have one name. So, um, 
I wasn't sure whether or not to introduce you as Fury the Poet or yeah. your name. So. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's funny, Youngblood actually means poet. It's a form of, of poet, oh. so that's oh. why I put it in. So I mean, same, same. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've been thinking about this uh, for the past little while, and the first time that I uh, can can definitely pass this down. Can definitely put my finger on um, when when I had a moment of uh, gender confusion. You know, I was probably about eight, and I was uh, I come from a very bougie family, so I was at, I was at, I was skiing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was skiing and. Uh, I had just gotten dressed and I looked in the mirror and for like a, a strike of a moment I couldn't couldn't gender myself. I couldn't say definitely like I, I couldn't couldn't see myself in the mirror as a, a boy or a girl. And what happened was imminent panic um, because even at such a young age you know what um, traversing that that sort of that. Um, taking that step is, you know what that looks like and it's never good. Um, but a part of me was like, no, this is fine, this is fine, this is internal, it's just me, it's only me that can see this, this is fine. And uh, I saw that as that sort of grounded me and calmed me down, it's like, I don't have to think about this right now, I don't have to fix it, it is just what it is. And then I walked out the door and about five minutes later a kid who was a bit younger than me asked me, are you a boy or a girl? And my immediate feeling was, oh god, I've been found out. <laughs> um, and that was pretty terrifying. And from there, became, it became like a campaign, a long campaign of ultra-femininity. I grew my hair long, like long ginger mermaid hair. Um, was wore high heels, painted my nails, did everything that I could to sort of uh, replicate this image and you know for, for, for a lot of the time it did make me happy because there's a lot of validation in that and there is a lot of um, I guess social rewards in that that sort of buoyed me it wasn't like I was, was super miserable but there were always moments incidentally usually looking in mirrors where I would catch myself and I wouldn't be able to recognize myself and it was in these moments that I've gone back and I've recognized okay there was actually something else going on here um, I think um, one of the reasons, so I came out quite late, um, and I think there's probably several, re I mean obviously se several reasons to this, and by came out I mean actually just like came to terms with it myself, there's coming out to yourself and there's coming out to the rest of the world. And um, one, of these, one of these reasons is probably because like Margot, I had these ideas of what it is to be trans and they were so not I mean, not grounded in reality um, and not representative, uh, but also so, so slightly terrifying. Like, I just didn't see myself in that. But um, further, the, further to that, it's it's hard being not not identifying with female and not identifying with male because there are no narratives. There's no history so much. Where I come from um, and the upper middle class. Uh, place in New Zealand. Any other New Zealanders here? Good on. Um, uh, there's just, there's, there's, so, there's such a limited narrative. So even if you're a woman, you don't have as much, obviously, uh, history or historical figures, but there are these um, 
really ingrained understandings and really ingrained history that you could sort of tap on, tap into, and define yourself by and feel, feel solace in. And so for me, I found that that pushed it back quite a bit because I felt like I had no place. I felt like there was no place for me. Um, so it was uh, much later, um, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I met uh, my best friend, Precious, on OkCupid, okay incidentally. And um, I sat down with them, and um, over a period of time, they started talking about gender, and they gently challenged me on all of these ideals, because it had never even occurred to me that there was another possibility. That's how ingrained this was to me. Um, and so gently, over a course of time, they sort of broke down these ideas, and it opened this pathway to access these parts of myself that had been so so hugely like a fortress had just been locked off um, and yeah it just became like more of a more of a space for play and more of a space to flourish and and to find out more about myself I guess to meet myself in a way um, and so I, I feel like a little bit like I'm the baby uh, because I I'm like I'm, I'm 29 I've, I've only really known about myself and known about over the, over the past couple of years maybe three years max and um, so it's all like super fresh to me and super new, but that's my story. Two beautiful and diverse stories. Kai Clancy, brother boy, as part of the community we acknowledge every week on this show. Um, such a wonderful, warm, gentle person and fury the poet, um, whose skills in writing remind us just how awesome trans and gender diverse people are um, and get us on the way to liberation, which is a convenient and overplanned segue into the next track from Mentor's Anything's second ever album, Espresso Bongo. Well, we all should be liberated, including creatures, freedom of species. We'll tell you about that at one o'clock. Let's have, from Mental as Anything, some insect liberation. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand, out of the pan. With Hi family, I'm Sergio from Che Sudaka and I wanted to invite you to join Community Radio 3CR. Subscribe please. Because they need your help. Hello, my name is Adam Elliott, and I'm the very overrated director of Harvey Crumpet and Mary Max, and you're listening to 3CR. His opinion, I don't necessarily agree. Of course, a great example of queer talent and creativity. Um, of course, Adam, um, did, poor America didn't know what hit them when Adam thanked his male partner as an openly gay man at um, the Oscars a few years ago. Um, wake up, America. Um, yeah, well, probably too late to say that now after Trump. Anyway, um, so we've heard the introductory stories from each of our four panellists, yours truly, Margot Fink, Kai Clancy and Fury the Poet. Let's now get into the conversation um, a bit before the end of this part of the show, um, or this part one of this two-part special. Um, pub Talk with Clementine Ford talking trans and gender diverse held at the Retreat Hotel in January 2016. Yeah, I just have to share it like that. That was the idea of meeting yourself. 
for the first time at the age of, uh, well, somewhere in your 20s, I'm assuming. And I wanted to ask all of you what it felt like the first time, if you indeed had a moment when you felt like you met yourself or you were getting to know yourself after a lifetime of um, not feeling that way. Ooh, I suppose there's a few. I don't think I can really pick one. I still remember going back to 1995, the first time I went to the long-running social and support group Seahorse Club of Victoria. And thankfully a friend drove because I was there was a bit of adrenaline going, as you could imagine. And it was the first time I'd really gone out beyond a private house presenting as female, however we wanted to find that. And there was that feeling of excitement of, not just looking at myself, but then going to that group and meeting other trans people. I'd only met one other trans person before that, the person who, who at that point, because things were still difficult, um, people had to sort of just meet with a committee member of Seahorse to um, just make sure it was all good. Um, but I remember going to that group um, that night and, you know, I was someone who wasn't very outgoing at all at that point and my friend who drove me who was an absolute huge supporter at the time when I just didn't have that information would said oh do you need me to drive you next month and I said no I'll be okay and so that was I think a turning point that I began to meet all of my true self not just in terms of gender but the other one was in relation to when I started taking hormones I remember being out one night about four months in and I, at that point I was still wearing breast forms and then all of a sudden I'm going oh I feel a bit tight tonight <laughs> because there were things growing. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I'm getting the body I always wanted. So there was that part. There was the expression part and the body part um, of, of it. So there were two moments there that I began to feel like, yep, yeah, I'm finally um, feeling good about these, part, these aspects of myself. Yeah. Oh, I, it's a tricky one. For me, I think it's more the reverse, it wasn't meeting myself, it was other people meeting me. And I remember like, just after I come out to my parents, I'm just like, okay, so I have this wig, and I've wanted that hairstyle for like, years. And so I just went to my hairdresser and showed a picture, she kind of gave me that like, what? <laughs> but she went with it, and did a great job. Um, and yeah, posting that first selfie with a long like explanation and everything was like a, you know, I haven't become a woman, I haven't suddenly changed. I've, I've always been me. I'm inviting like all of you to be part of that. I'm trusting you with this huge thing. And you know, if you're still a part of my life now and I'm, I'm talking to you about it, that's a big deal. And yeah, for, for me, I think that was the big turning point where I realized like, oh my God, this is not a big secret anymore. This is just my life at a day-to-day -day level now. Um, there's a, a, is this working yet? Is this working? There's a line, um, there's, there's a line in uh, the TV show Transparent, and I know not everyone loves that show, and that there are, there's problems with everything, but there's a line in the first episode when um, he comes out to his first daughter, and she says to him, I'm just quoting it now, but she says to him, oh, so are you going to dress up as a woman for the rest of your life? And he says to her, no, I'm telling you that I've been dressing up as a man for my whole life. Oh. She, she says to her. Pardon? She, she says to her. 
more. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's okay. See, we're all learning here. It's good. It's what this is about. Just own it. I'm here as the terrible example. Yeah, just own it. I was thinking of Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. Not more, and that is Which, the problem with having cis people play trans yeah, roles. Yeah. Exactly, that is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Kai? Well, the, yeah, the best save ever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't even know how to answer this question. Um, people that meet Kai, or like, I don't know, me meeting myself. I guess the transition was so smooth, I didn't really like understand about meeting myself. It was just something that happened and um, you know, welcomed myself into my life really uh, like over a period of time. So it wasn't so abrupt, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, hey, Kai. Yeah. Because <laughs> then Kai was like the first three letters of my old name. So I was like, you know, just transitioned to it pretty smoothly. But I guess one of the most uh, yeah, key moments was when my dad first called me son. Oh, that made my heart warm. Yeah. Um, even like, you know, other people in Brisbane, they call me nephew and stuff, but you know, that makes me really like, you know, warm in the heart. Um, these, Cause these have come from people who used to call me sis and like, you know, niece and all of that. So just different pronouns. It's really important to me. Um, it affirmed my identity and made me feel better about, you know, embracing myself as Kai. Really? Well, uh, I just have one, one, one thing to say. Uh, to uh, make you feel better, Clem. I don't deserve to. No, 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 no. This, this is a little bit of solidarity for you uh, for messing up. Uh, when Chelsea Manning, when I found out about Chelsea Manning, she hadn't come out, like, officially. It was just, um, there had been some documents leaked. And I went to Red Flag, I believe it was, and I was like, "You, I like, shouldn't you be using, shouldn't you be reusing his right pronouns?" And I kept on misgendering him while they, while I was correcting him about pronouns. So um, it happens to the best of us. Um, don't worry about it. Um, and that's all I have to say. Well, once again, I apologise. <laughs> um, but you know that that does lead to, a, I wanted to talk about. The, the idea of it is really good to see more trans stories being told in pop culture but at the same time they're often being told by cis actors and that's clearly a huge problem. I mean I really do feel like I was thinking of Jeffrey Tambor when I used that <laughs> pronoun but I think that that's that is part of the problem is that yeah. um, I remember having this argument with someone when uh, Dallas Buyers Club came out and you know it was the typical sort of argument you'd hear that like well they're actors they're actors and Jared Leto did such an amazing job etc and we had an argument about the fact that it's okay to and obviously it's not my place to really argue that but um but it seems like that it's okay to tell these stories as long as you sanitize it by putting in an actor who is not actually living that experience and I think that the same issue has arisen with the Danish girl which is coming out and, and obviously has been a question about transparency. So I, I guess I'd like to know what your thoughts are on, on how that balance can be found in telling those stories and also providing acting work for trans actors. Mm. Okay. Oh, to anyone, anyone can answer yeah. that. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. I was actually on a panel 
uh, with Cerise Howard and um, some other folk uh, recently. And there are three parts that I've been thinking about that, that are, and I've been reading about this. There are three parts that are really wrong to casting um, a cis person in a trans role. It was mentioned before um, the fact that uh, it's, well, I mean, obviously, case in point, you misgendered Laura because you were thinking about Jeffrey Tambor. Um, the other thing, or one of the other things, is it, it, it furthers this idea that um, trans women are just men in dresses, which is super damaging and legitimately kills people. Uh, not great. Um, and on top of that, uh, it takes, takes opportunities away from trans actors. Um, the argument uh, that, you know, we couldn't find any, uh, doesn't really fly in a lot of cases. I think in the case of transparent, it's a little bit more ambiguous because a 70 year old uh, pre-medical transition, a trans woman who's interested in acting and can act, it would be a legitimately quite hard, hard person to find. Um, and then the last thing is, is that cis people can walk away from these issues. They can profit from them and then they can walk away and they have no ties to the community. They have no investment in actually making considerable change. So it is very much so a case of profiteering off this thing that has just sort of become a trend. And I, I guess that's um, what what I find really troubling about it and what I've, what I've read about it. And I, I realize it's a little bit problematic me being an AFAB person saying all of that, so I'm going to hand my go to someone else. Thank you. <laughs> Better leave it there for now. Um, talking about who plays who. Um, so have part two of the pub talk with Clementine Ford, Sally Golden, the Kai Clancy, Fury the Poet, and Margot Fink next week. Take it out today, appropriately enough, at the end of the show with Tanya Kernigan from the December Moon album. Well, I'll be gone, but catch you next week. <laughs>